This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My usual co-host, AJ Schultz, is on vacation in Las Vegas this week, so I'm going to go back to my roots and fly solo for today's podcast, and I'll begin by reading the statement that you hear from AJ Schultz's dulcet tones. When he says, before we kick off the rest of the show, I'll remind listeners that throughout each week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey or hockey in general, you can tweet at us and we'll try to answer your questions during our next podcast. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24 and you can follow me, the Statsman, at Statsman22. We begin as always with our look around the league for the Anaheim Ducks. They went 0-3 last week. They also dropped a decision in St. Louis last night. And John Gibson's stat line tells the story here, folks. Four goals against in at least four of his last five starts. And uh, that's not good news when an offense is depleted and uh, forces a youngster like Max Comtois into top-line minutes. He's getting a long look at power play time. And so I'm interested to see what this top prospect can do with this extra opportunity. Similarly, I'm looking at Andre Case, two goals and one assist. And he's back in top six minutes on the right-hand side there. Those opportunities arise because a couple other forwards joined the infirmary. Jacob Silverberg missed the last two games with an upper body hurt and will be lost at least this week as well. And left wing Max Jones is out with an upper body injury, joining this long injury list up front. The Arizona Coyotes up next. They were 1-2-1 last week. Uh, Oliver Ekman-Larsen is a guy that we used to speak about when we talk about top-scoring defensemen. He's not up there yet, but if he continues to go with a goal and two assists like he did last week for a few more weeks, he'll be there. But uh, he's such a valuable commodity in Arizona at both ends of the ice, really uh, upping his defensive game of late. Taylor Hall is an exciting proposition here. They paid big big to get him and he's rewarding them right now with two goals and two helpers you wonder if he's going to love life in the desert but at least right now he's helping an offense with another star commodity in the top six there Connor Garland moves up to right wing on the top line here and he becomes an interesting piece because I like the feistiness he plays with and he has a bit of a scoring touch and thrust into a right wing role on top unit could really get the best out of him I think Christian Dvorak and Carl Soderberg now hold the top two center slots. That's because we, we've been calling for this because Derek Stepan's minutes show that he is not producing offensively like he had in the past, and so he's in a third-line role, and they're paying a lot of money for that, so a tough situation with that aspect. 
Darcy Kemper is expected to return in early February, so that depletes the goaltending situation and thrusts Aiden Hill into the limelight. He was 1-1-1 one, one, and one in three recent starts. And if you're looking for a goalie who is a late-season option, this guy's in a good situation, folks, with a team that has a really good defensive structure and a pretty nice offense around him. So could be a, a low-end cost in DFS play, but could yield some pretty good returns going the rest of the way. And if you're looking, the same thing applies for season-long hockey pool players. The Boston Bruins went 3-0 and last week, but they took it on the chin last night with a stunning loss. They've blown a few leads uh, this season. This one was a 5-2 lead in Philadelphia, and they got caught by the end of regulation and lost eventually in a shootout, which ended spectacularly with a Brad Marchand epic fail in a shootout as he overskated the puck at center ice, barely touching it, but touching it enough that it moved. If he, he would have been better off to swing and miss completely because then he could have circled back and got it again, but the fact is he missed it and uh, just allowed it to slide about two inches and that was enough to disqualify the attempt and it reminded me that John Tavares had a similar foray in Philadelphia. I wonder what what it is what they do with the ice there in the shootouts but it's uh, a matter of record twice now where two of the most spectacular fails in shootout hockey history happened in the Philadelphia arena to visitors. David Pasternak, though, receded for his 36th goal of the season. He's running away with the Rocket Richard Trophy. Uh, only two guys over 30 goals right now. We'll talk about one later on uh, in Toronto, in fact. But the rest of this offense plugging along, and that's what the story is in Boston right now. They're getting it at both ends of the ice. No wonder they're one of the best teams in hockey. Jake DeBrusque supporting the top line with two goals and three assists. Patrice Bergeron and Pasternak combining for six goals last week. And on defense, two guys came out of the infirmary to do what they normally do, and that's add the offense, and that's Tori Krug and Charlie McAvoy with three helpers each. You can add Mark Rizlik in that mix with another three assists himself, but the troubling spot with him is that he's day-to-day now with a lower body injury. It just seems that they can't get all hands on deck here. One other guy who's moved up and become a player of note for me is Anders Bjork. He scored a goal last night in a new opportunity on right wing on the second unit. That makes me want to watch him and see if he continue to pad those stats with that effort. The Buffalo Sabres sliding a little bit from contention with a 1-2 and two week last week. Their uh, defense is leading the scoring, and that's part of the problem here. The offense kind of took a bit of a, a nap last week. Rasmus Dahlin, four assists. Rasmus Ristolainen, a goal and one assist. I can't Every time I mention this guy, I can't help thinking at the beginning of the season where it looked like Buffalo was trying to do everything it could to get rid of him uh, from their roster, but they got to be happy that they held on to the big scoring defenseman, and they have a pretty good tandem back there among their top four D-men uh, that can score uh, the puck and, and make some plays to start this offense from the blue line. Uh, another surprise contributor is Zengus Gergensen. He's been up and down in this roster all year long. Now he's in there at left wing on the top line with Jack Eichel, and it's no surprise he's got got two goals in his last two games played. I'm going to keep an eye on him as long as that continues. Connor Sheary, another guy that's moved up uh, in rank, two points in his last four games played as left wing on the second line. These moves and promotions were necessitated by the fact that Skinner and Olafson continue to face extended time on the IR, and that's hampered the overall offense here in Buffalo. The Calgary Flames went 3-0 and last, uh, last week, but the last night slipped back to reality with a 2-0 loss. David Riddich was in net, and that followed the three wins that Cam Talbot recorded. So you wonder if there's possibly a goalie battle brewing in, uh, in Cowtown in, in Western Canada there. The Flames need to have somebody go on a run to continue their uh, pursuit of a playoff spot. They're getting help from a couple of wingers not named Monaghan and Gaudreau uh, among the offensive pieces. Elias Lindholm, four goals uh, last week. 
Michael Backlin on the right wing on the second unit with Monaghan and Gaudreau, in fact, has picked up four points in his last five games before last night. So those two guys are a good con- good contributions to the offense here of late. Uh, the guy who is front and center, though, in terms of, terms of newsworthy stuff is Matthew Kachuk. This guy found out what can happen to a pest who runs into a le- legitimate tough guy in Zach Cassian. He took a couple of runs at the uh, Edmonton big man and he wound up paying for it the second time around. And, and the first one was a hit where it was a blind shot, side shot that typically uh, precedes a fight. Uh, this, uh, this time he got away, but the second time Cassian wouldn't let him escape and he pummeled him. Uh, Tachuk did not respond in the battle. He's a tough guy who couldn't handle himself, but he knew he was in over his head and he chose to effectively turtle. And that effort cost Cassian, in fact, a two-game suspension. I'm not happy with that call, folks. If you're going to run around and make hits like this, sometimes you're going to be called on to answer the bell. The fact that he didn't shouldn't, uh, shouldn't be the reason why Cassian, Cassian gets penalized. I expect this kind of behavior by, by, from Kachuk, but uh, he has to know that retribution is coming from time to time, and he got it in spades from Cassian, and it was well-deserved, and I'm disappointed that the NHL saw fit to levy the two-game suspension. So there's my mini-rant mini on that situation. I'd love your comments to see if you agree or disagree. Anxious to see if A.J. Scholes has an opinion on that as well. The Carolina Hurricanes went 3-0 and last week, but they were shut out uh, against Washington in, in uh, a loss on Monday night, and uh, so the offense went, went missing. But beforehand, they had gotten nice contributions from a pair of defensemen, one who we've talked about all year long, and Dougie Hamilton, a goal and two assists. Jake Gardner, though, was a surprise contributor offensively with a goal and two helpers. And uh, James Reimer, another ex-Leaf, had a very nice week in the Nets. Two wins and one shutout there, and Peter Mrazek, the, the de facto starter most of the season held his own with his only start last week picking up a shutout as well so the defensive side of the puck really working for Carolina right now making them a very difficult opponent and uh, offensively it's worth r- noting for me Nino Niederreiter is getting a look at left wing on the second line not too much to show offensively for it in the last four games a couple of points really but I'm interested in the fact that he's pouring a lot of shots on the net with 13 in those four efforts so uh, looking forward for more to more from him in that opportunity but he may be challenged by the fact that Mr. Game 7 Justin Williams has resigned with the Canes for the balance of this season and I expect him to be a threat for a top six role particularly on the right wing going forward. The Chicago Blackhawks went 1-2 and two last week. Left winger Dominic Kubalik, four goals for his record, and uh, he's benefiting from that top six opportunity. Looks like he gets a shot to continue that going forward in a nice situation next to Jonathan Taves. Dylan Strom has sidelined the last two games with an ankle injury and may miss some more time this week as well. So that means Kirby Dock is up on the second line at center, with Patrick Kane on his right wing, so I'm keeping an eye on him to see if he can snap out of a nine-game pointless streak with that opportunity. Corey Crawford has started three of the last games in the uh, last four games in net, allowing a total of only seven goals. So you wonder if he's going to overtake Robin Leonard for a piece of, of the twine going forward in Chicago. So it really behooves you to denote the starting goalie assignments. They can flip even up to the last minute. So keep an eye on Rotowire's starting lineups and infra- game information on our website on a daily basis uh, going forward to help yourself. I know I've been caught a couple of times when I have let my locker uh, locked my lineup early and forgot to check later and been burned so really a reminder to all of us that uh, game time decisions do happen Colorado Avalanche 0-2-1 in their last three games last week Samuel Girard 
despite the losing week, has been really productive on the left side of the second pairing there. 11 points to show in his last six games played, so really they may have found something here to help uh, offense from the back end. They have plenty of it up front, and it even dragged up uh, a guy who was a fourth-line a legend uh, <laughs> for his inability to find some offense, and that's Valery Nichushkin. He's now got six points in his last nine games played, getting consistent minutes as right wing on the second line. This guy was a butt of a lot of jokes here on our on our podcast, but I got to say he's had a decent run in Colorado with a couple of nice offensive streaks during the course of this season. Andrei Burakovsky's found some traction as left wing again on the second uh, unit with uh, three assists in his last two games played, reunited with uh, Nazem Kadri. So a good situation there for him at the start of the season. Looks like it's uh, doing a repeat performance of late. Felix, Philip Grubar has a 292 goals against average in 26 appearances this year. Been an inconsistent in the last couple of weeks for my money, and it's no surprise that Panthel Fransuz started twice last week, allowing only five goals against in those efforts. Didn't get a win but at least got an overtime point in one of them. He has uh, 241 goals against average in 19 appearances, and I think he's going to be pushing for more regular playing time because he's outplayed the uh, de facto starter here in Grubauer. The Columbus Blue Jackets, Jackets went 3-1 and one last week. Pierre-Luc Dubois leading this offense. People seem to forget, I think, when I mention. They, they expressed surprise that he was the third pick in the draft that yielded... Um, Austin Matthews and Patrick Liney as the top two picks. But Dubois held his own with those guys of late with six points on the last week to help the Columbus offense. A surprising fact that the Blue Jackets are hanging around the playoff race. I thought they were going to be one of the league dregs this season, but Dubois helped alter that profile. Other contributors there are Brad Warinsky. We expected that from a top-flight defenseman. He got two goals and one helper last week. But in the Nets, they've got another surprise contribution as Elvis Merzalikens receded for all three wins and a shutout to boot and another guy who's come from nowhere to be a really solid goalie contributor at this stage in the season when we didn't forecast that at the beginning of the year. Good news is on the horizon for this club as Ken Atkinson nears a return as a top six right wing following his ankle surgery. He'll be back into that top six role right away and you can expect he'll be priced a little bit on the low end. You wonder how soon he can get up to speed but uh, keep an eye on that situation as it goes forward. The Dallas Stars went 2-1 and one last week. This is a team that's 11 games over 500, and it's all about the defensive structure here, and it's no surprise that the notes start with that aspect. Essa Lindell, not expected to be a high-end scoring option, but he has contributed more often than not of late, and had a nice week with three assists last week. All in front of Ben Bishop and... Uh, Anton Kudobin in the Nets, they've benefited from that structure defensively. Bishop recording a win and a shutout in his only start last week is an example of how good that works for the goalies in this mix. John Klingberg, a defenseman of note here, has not lived up to his offensive billing this season, and the season is getting worse for him in, in terms of the fact that he's out with an eye, uh, on the IR with an ankle injury, but the good news is that he may return to action later this week as he's returned to practice at, at least. So uh, if you've got an ownership share in Klingberg, maybe he can finish strong for you because he was projected to be one of the top-scoring defensemen in hockey, and it just hasn't panned up to date. And similarly, Joe Pavelski struggled this year, 18 points in 45 games. That's after nine straight seasons in the 60-plus point range, even in the strike-shortened season when you prorate what he was doing then. This is a real fall from that level, and uh, they can't be happy with the return they're getting for a guy who's still getting right-wing minutes on the second line here. 
The Detroit Red Wings are 12, 31, and 1 on the season, but at least they had a pretty nice week last week. They were 2 and 1. Those games against three, three slumping teams in the Atlantic Division where they reside. Jonathan Bernier got the two wins, but he was scratched on Sunday. He's now dealing with a lower body injury, and that's too bad because he's had a nice run of starts there for a long while. In his place, you'll see Jim, Jamie Howard will step in. He's had a tough year, folks. Uh, they're paying a lot of money for him, and he's not delivering the, the goods right now. Four 1-1 one, one goals against on the season. I wonder if they might even turn to Calvin Pickard, who has been brought up to the, from the minors to uh, sub in for Bernier. In terms of the good news here, there's a piece on, on the wing that we can talk about is Robbie Fabry, four points in his last five games on right wing on the top line. So he's getting uh, reprieved from being a depth forward in St. Louis and really fitting in well in terms of the offense here in Detroit. Philip Ronick, a defenseman that I highlighted at the beginning of the season, he ha- started the year very, very well, but went into a little bit of a scoring funk. Now he's back to scoring again from the back end and, and running the power play there with some... Uh, some results six points in his last eight games to show for those efforts left wing on this team though a bit of a black hole and that's really a concern that needs to be addressed in the offseason behind Tyler Bertuzzi they're plugging in Adam Ernie who has been nothing but a fourth line winger in the past he does have an assist in his last three games I guess it's worth noting Darren Helm is the third line left wing two assists in his last four games played but really folks none neither one of these guys is a credible DFS option despite the fact they're getting lots of minutes they're not rewarding Uh, their owners and they're not likely to so look elsewhere for help on the port side if you need to the Edmonton Oilers two and one last week familiar names uh, dot the scoring leadership here of course McDavid does his bit with six points Dreisaitl with five another former first round pick though has chipped in with five points that's Ryan Nugent Hopkins with three goals and two helpers in the nets Mike Smith got uh, the two wins they recorded last week so there's a battle brewing for the share of the net and right now the veteran the older veteran has uh, got the load there in his favor. James Neal locked in as a, a top six left winger. However, he's only had points in one of his last 10 games. I think he's in big trouble there if he doesn't get it turned around soon. Of course, he may get a bit of a reprieve by the fact that Zach Cassian is dealing with that two-game suspension. The Florida Panthers went 2-1 and one last week, a key win over the Maple Leafs highlighting that. Uh, week for them uh, Hoffman four goals for him Trocek one goal four assists for him so they're getting performances from other players other than their top line guys Noel Achari is even in a guy I want to mention with a Cy Young like career best 17 goals to date only three assists for him right now and that accounts for the Cy Young reference folks now locked in though as a right winger on the second line he's getting power play minutes I wouldn't have forecast this from a guy who was a fourth liner in Boston for a number of years Sergei Bobrovsky is a guy I've been not been high on all year long and he's proved me right with a bit of a subpar campaign he's missed three of the last four efforts now with an upper body injury to boot but they have been surprised by the contribution of Chris Reger that's the third backup goalie folks that I've referenced so far in this show and he recorded two wins last week despite allowing nine goals against and I think three appearances there so uh, at least he stepped in and provided some surprise surprise contributions and as long as he's getting a shot behind a high octane offense like this he's a pretty good value play in DFS going forward and a good addition if you're looking for help in season long as well 
The Los Angeles Kings went one and three last week. It's been a tough year for them. We know that. But there is some DFS value here that we want to talk about. Anze Kopitar having a nice bounce back season. He was a minus 20 last year. This is a guy who was perennially in the running for the top defensive forward. He didn't get a sniff with that record last year. But he's a zero right now. And he's on pace for uh, to threaten the 70-point mark. So back on the beam uh, where we expect to see him in terms of an overall contribution offensively. He's got seven points in his last seven games played. And one of the guys that's benefiting from that run is Alex Iafalo on the left side. He's been locked in as a top six guy for a long time, but he finally has started to really produce offensively. He had a very nice nine-game consecutive point streak snapped last week. So he's been an interesting value play in DFS for a couple of weeks now. Jonathan Quick has been steady in the nets, and you wonder if there's a way that they might be able to trade him uh, to a team that's looking for a starting goalie. Allowed three goals or less in eight of his last ten games played. Could be the answer to a team that's on the cusp of contention going forward because he's not going to be a contender here for a long while. Alex Martinez stock has risen with playing bigger minutes alongside Drew Doughty. These guys have been partnered before. Uh, Martinez looking good uh, coming off the injury list, and this is a really nice spot for him. So it could be another good DFS value play going forward. The Minnesota Wild went 0-2 last week. Alex Salok in the nets for both of those efforts, despite allowing only six goals against on 80 shots. That's too much rubber in his direction. Uh, Devin Dubnik uh, was back for the last start, allowing three goals against. So the goalies are holding up their end of the bargain, but really the defensive structure has been wanting a little bit. Matt Zuccarello, another guy who we, they count on here, only one point in his last six games played, despite 18 shots on goal as a right winger on the top line. I have a lot of faith in this guy. He's been a, a capable scorer, uh, and even in a front-line role, I, sh- I think that that point total will rise dramatically in the next little while. Uh, as he gets a lot of high leverage minutes on the power play as well and has proven to be worthy of that uh, that opportunity in the past. Matthew Dumba's regressed as an offensive defenseman, folks. Only 13 points in 45 games this season. However, three points have come in the last seven games played. I wonder if he's going to have a run uh, in him to finish up strong in the end of the season. Similarly, Joel Erickson, a guy who was a former high draft pick here, finally showing some offensive upside. Five points in his last eight games played to show for his efforts. We reach the halfway mark here, and we go to the Montreal Canadiens. They got a shutout win last night with Carey Price in the nets, Jordan Wheel and Ryan Poling scoring. Poling getting his first goal of this season. Uh, uh, It was a recent call-up because of a couple of injuries up front, and they're going to give him a little bit of a runway to see if he can fit in as a top-scoring center. A large reason why there is because Jesperi Kotkaniemi has simply not. One point in his last seven games played. He's now relegated to a center on the third-line role. This kid needs to take the next step. He was another top-round draft pick, not really panning out so far. One guy that's really looking good so early in his tenure in, in this locale is Ilya Kovalchuk. A goal and one assist in his last two games played. And he's got the fans fired up every time he touches the puck. It seems like he's become media darling already. So he's a loving life in Montreal so far. Jeff Petrie is a guy, win or lose, that I look for in Montreal's situation because he's a low-end, top offensive option from the blue line. A low-cost option, I'll say. Two assists to his record last week. He's getting power play time here when Shea Weber needs a bit of a rest. Sometimes they put both defensemen out on the PP. But Petrie has got a cannon of a shot, too. 
and seems to find his way around the uh, scoring summary uh, fairly very regular last week was a good indicator one guy who's not doing that is max domi he followed a nine game point streak with a one assist in his last four games played they need more out of this uh, feisty forward offensively to remain in in contention carry Pr- price's struggles were continuing last week and i wonder you know last night shadowed aside you wonder if mark Bergevin, the GM, might explore an off-season deal here. His job may depend on it if the Canadians don't make the playoffs for a third consecutive season. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card. Get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cash back, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. The, minute, the Nashville Predators up next, 2-1 and one last week. UC Saros in the nets with for one of those victories, at, with a shutout, in fact. Still, he only, he only sports a 309 goals against average, so no real threat to Pecorini, despite the fact he's there with a career-worst 302 of his own. That tells you that despite the fact we've known this team to be a goal-ten, uh, defensive factory, it's not working well in terms of defensive structure right now. One guy that bears watching, though, up front is Philip Forsberg, a dynamic winger on the left side on the top unit as a guy we don't talk up very much. But year after year, he churns out the same 30-goal, 65-point pace that you can depend upon. He's doing that again this season. I regard him as the most skilled player in Music City and a low end in terms of price scoring option more often than not. Uh, Nick Bonino is a third-line center that my partner knows a lot about from his days in Pittsburgh. He's on a career-best scoring pace right now with 14 14, uh, registered already this season and a fixture on the power play despite his third-line status. They have a pretty good bit of depth offensively down the middle of the ice here. None of them really a 100-point guy, but Bonino, a surprise contributor to this offense from the middle of the ice too. The New Jersey Devils, 2-1-1 was their record in the last four games. They've got a couple of those wins against two of the better clubs in the league here. Maybe they, they respond to the shakeup in the front office. Ray Shiro was fired. The team has underachieved all season long, and that cost him his job. That means his assistant, Tom Fitzgerald, and, and one Martin Brodeur step into the breach as an interim tandem to replace him. On the ice, it's the defense that's leading the attack, and that's really a slam on the offense because the 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 names they have up front, they really haven't delivered the goods, despite the fact they've spent a little bit of money here to help that situation. It's not working out. Defenseman Damon Severson, four points, and Andy Green, three points, led the offensive parade here 
And behind them all, Louis Deming has been pressed into service, receding for the two wins, while starter Mackenzie Blackwood is day-to-day -day with an upper body injury. Check your uh, lineups before tonight's games to see which one of those guys start because they've been playing better of late. they got a tough situation against Leafs tonight, a team looking to rebound from a tough week themselves. But you, if you believe who uh, in the team that's hot, the New Jersey goalie might be an option there. The New, Jer New York Islanders, 2-0-1 is their record. Last week, they got, took it on the chin in a loss against their cross-state uh, cross rivals, cross-city rivals, you can say, I guess, the New York Rangers. As the Rangers pummeled them 6-2, Varlamov in the nets for a six-spot there against. Uh, that was a blemish that is offset by the fact that he had a win and a shutout in his only other start last week. Prior to last night's game, he was on a real nice run with only 13 goals against in his last seven appearances. Goal scoring issues remain for this club, but at least Matthew Barzal is bucking that trend with a career best shots on goal rate, and he's on pace for his 30 goal season. Folks, this is a dynamic forward that uh, they're going to build their franchise around going forward, and if you've got him, he's a great guy, a great keeper option in dynasty leagues. Nick Letty is a guy who uh, was used to be among the four, uh, forefront of scoring defensemen, but it's not translating this season. Uh, he has a new opportunity here with a pairing with Ryan Pollock, who is a top defensive defenseman, and maybe that's just what Nick Letty needs. So I'm going to keep an eye on him going forward to see if he makes good on that opportunity. Jordan Everly is a guy that I've kind of given up on. I used to regard him as one of the top IQ guys around the league in terms of hockey IQ, but it's not translated on the ice. Only four goals again, uh, in his ledger for 33 games played. Somehow he's still holding down uh, uh, opportunity on the second line right wing situation there the new york rangers two and one is their record they added a victory last night with georgiev in the nets i wonder if they were advertising him to other teams nudge nudge toronto take a look at this kid because they have now a three-headed monster in the nets Ilya chesterkin receded for two wins in his starts last week they're looking to see if this guy's the goalie of the future here they'd like to think internally that he is their man and that's why Georgiev might get a couple more showcase efforts here Georgiev's been up with the team all year long but uh, it looks like he could be the odd man out if they believe as they say they might have found the next one in Shesterkin I'm convinced that uh, more likely that Georgiev will be dealt, so it'll be interesting to see where, what they net for him. I'm hearing a rumor out of Toronto that the Leafs have offered Jeremy Bracco, a high-end scoring winger, whose way to the top here in Toronto to the big club is blocked by the fact the Leafs have such a lot of depth on the wings here. And Bracco, for his part, was the second leading scorer in the American Hockey League, I do believe, last season. So uh, th that's good value, I think, for Georgiev. I'm curious to see what our listeners might think about that possibility. In terms of what's going on in the, on the ice in New York, uh, Artemi Panarin had a five-point night last night to go with a seven-point week last week, so he's on fire as one of the... the must-see guys in hockey in terms of entertainment value. He's performing at a very high level right now. Tony D'Angelo had another five-point effort himself from the blue line. He had seven points overall as well to pace all defensemen in scoring last week and a guy who is part of the next wave of talent that the Rangers are hoping to build around here. Chris Kreider, for his part, though, might not be here too much longer. He's a guy whose name I'm hearing is being bandied about as an impending free agent. He may have helped his advertising in that regard with two goals and one assist last week. And a guy who's had a nice hot run for about a month now is Ryan Strom. He continued with that, a goal and three assists last night. Uh, last week, I should say. The Ottawa Senators 
0-1 and 2 is their record in the last three week, games last week. Anders Nilsson sidelined by concussion issues and Craig Anderson struggling in the Nets lately, allowing 18 goals in his last four games. That's opened the door for Marcus Hogberg, who was recalled, recalled from the American Hockey League. He excelled in allowing only five goals against in his last three appearances, but lost twice in extra time to speak to the lack of offensive support that exists here. And part of that offense is supposed to come from a Connor Brown, but I have to admit some, some disappointment to a guy that I boosted early on this season. He has only seven goals this season, although a respectable 18 assists, despite averaging over 20 minutes per game. Still almost a 50-point pace, but I'd like to see him bulge the twine a little more often. Similarly, Nemesnikov and Anisimov, two veteran guys who have been scoring forwards before, are not delivering the goods. Nemesnikov, pointless in nine. Anisimov, only two points in his last six games played. It's no wonder this team's offense is limited when key parts like this are just not putting up the stats. The Philadelphia Flyers went 1-1-1 last week, and they added that shootout win last night, so they're on the fringe of playoff contention. Sanheim got two goals last night, and a young call-up named Bunneman got his first NHL goal uh, in his second recall this season with the club. He's no more than a third or fourth liner, folks. They have much more in terms of offense in front of him, and I don't think he's going to get a sniff on the power play going forward with the talent they have around him, so I might fade him and not be excited about him until he produces a little more offense there. Shane Gostas Bear has been limited to only one assist in the last 10 games played, but now his season's gone from bad to worse. He's had arthroscopic surgery on his knee, and he'll miss a minimum of three weeks going forward. I expect that opens up an opportunity for Matt Niskanen to see bigger workload with extra power play time in his absence. So keep an eye on the veteran puck-moving defenseman to see if he becomes a factor on their power play. The top two centers have flipped wingers here, so it's worth noting that Kevin Hayes now gets the plum assignment between Giroux and Konechny, and he made good on that with a, a goal last night and a pretty strong game for him. Mike Raffle has seen his minutes rise as left wing num- on the second line and has a goal and an assist with the added minutes he's been seeing in the last three games too. So it's a pretty, quite a shuffle going on in Philadelphia, but uh, the landing spot for Hayes has got me excited for him anyway. The Pittsburgh Penguins went 3-0 last week, and I have to acknowledge in my partner's absence the next-man-up mentality of this roster. Guys like Dominic Cahoon, who picked up five points last week, John Marino on defense with three assists, and Tristan Jari continuing on a, a long run. He's come from nowhere to take the job away, the starting job away from Matt Murray and picked up two, win, two more wins last, last week. We're also seeing this breakout campaign from Brian Rust as right wing on the top line. He had 12 points in his last eight game claims games played and is a must start in DFS the way he's going right now because the price point is still on the low side Uh, despite all the good news here they still can't find a role for Alex Galchenyuk though he's been relegated to fourth line minutes in the last five games played and I don't think he's long for Pittsburgh going forward better news uh, best news they can hope for in fact Sidney Crosby could rejoin this lineup this week so keep an eye out for that The St. Louis Blues won against Anaheim a 4-1 victory uh, last night to add to the fact they won three games in a row last week. Uh, Jordan Bennington picking up all those wins, but it was worth noting last night that Jake Allen stepped into the breach and he lowered his 236 goals against average to start the game. Continues to be a good soldier as a backup goalie, and you wonder if he's going to be moved or being kept for insurance. It'll be interesting to see because he's, he's got an expiring contract, a big ticket guy, and uh, for teams that are looking for help in the Nets, I don't think they trade him within the conference, but again, another opportunity to, to make good elsewhere if he continues to do this and they make him expendable. 
tough blow for them defensively. Colton Pareko's missed the last five games with an upper body injury. There's no concrete news about what his situation is going forward. Don't think it's a long-term one, and they want to get him back in the fold. But in the meantime, the veterans are holding the fort here. Alex Pietrangelo, another guy whose name's been bandied about as an impending free agent, two assists last week. Tyler Bozak, two goals and two helpers in a revamped role for him. And David Perron with three goals to help this offense as well. The San Jose Sharks were 2-1 and one last week. This team is struggling without their captain, Logan Couture, out six weeks with a broken ankle, but they at least had a good seven-day period last week, uh, tempered by the fact that Brent, Brett Burns may also join the infirmary. That's a tough situation, too, because this guy is a uh, hard rock on the blue line. Two goals, one assist uh, in terms of what he chipped in offensively, but a real gamer and a guy who has been a real centerpiece here for a long time, so you hope it's nothing serious in his, in his regard. Eric Carlson, his running mate, a goal and three helpers to pace this offense as well last week. He's enjoying his life in San Jose and uh, looks like a good fit for a long time there and a centerpiece to whatever they do going forward. Aaron Dell has switched things up and really made a threatening uh, gesture toward the starting rotation in the Nets. Uh, That makes Marty Jones Jones owners very nervous, but Dell has now started five of the last uh, six games these guys played and the Sharks have won four of them, so maybe a changing of the guard in the Nets there and one that was not anticipated. The Tampa Lightning is a team that should be feared on everybody's schedule right now. They're playing like this last year's President Trophy winners all of a sudden, and that top line is really lighting it up. Stamkos in point with five points each and Kucherov right behind them. Uh, this is much watch television when these guys are going, and right now they're firing on all cylinders. And in Nets, the similar story can be written for Andre Vasilevsky. Three wins and two shutouts last week as he's on the top of his game like we expected at the beginning of the season. It's been a subpar year to date, but he's got things in order right now, and, and this team is really rolling as a result. If I can find one fly in the ointment, I'd like to see more from a second-line center named Anthony Sorelli. He's been blanked in his last six games played, and I don't think he's long for that role unless he changes that up. I continue to bang the drum for Alex Killorn, who has a career-best season underway after 11 points in his last 13 games played. The Toronto Maple Leafs went 0-2-1 last week, and the news got worse with the revelation that Morgan Riley will be lost to the club with a broken foot for the next two months this season. His opportunity and space will be uh, replaced by youngster Rasmus Sandin. He had a wonderful World Junior Championship that I reported last week and uh, was starring for the Toronto Marlies in the American Hockey League as well. So he'll get a chance for the high leverage minutes on the power play and over 20 minutes a game before too long here. And I think he has an offensive upside that won't make people forget about Morgan Riley, but he's a very sound scoring defenseman himself. Could be a nice late season addition in your season-long pools as well. Austin Matthews, for his part, a really good offensive player, obviously. He's now second only to David Pasternak in league goal scoring on pace for a Leaf record, 56 or 57 goal pace, I think he is on it right now. But uh, people complain that he doesn't have a 200-foot game here. I, I think he's showing more in that regard as well. Really, the surprise spike in his, uh, I won't say it's a surprise, the spike in his goal scoring has uh, gone hand in glove with Mitch Marner's arrival on his wing of late. Uh, don't forget that this uh, young dynamic winger was the same impact player on John Tavares' career season, career best season last year. 
In the Nets, Frederick Anderson was pulled in two of his last three starts. That's an alarming situation because this guy's unquestionably the team's MVP in the Nets, and it's raised the speculation for the need of a backup goalie because they haven't had a lot of faith in Michael Hutchinson so far this year. Andreas Janssen came out of the infirmary to rejoin this lineup, and I don't think it's going to be too long before he challenges for a return to his top six left-wing role. The Vancouver Canucks went 2-2 two and two last week. Bo Horvat pacing the offense with a 3-2 and two record. Elias Patterson gets the top-checking opponents night in, night out, but that might switch up if Horvat's hot streak continues. He now has 13 points in his last seven games played, forming a nice tandem with Tanner Pearson, who has 10 points of his own in the last the same stretch. Behind them both, Jacob Markstrom is having a career year, a breakout in the Nets. Two more wins last season, now victorious in eight of his last nine starts and ranking among the workhorses in the league that you can count on to play 60 games uh, season in, season out, it seems, in the last couple of years and really a fine, fine effort so far this season. Surprising contribution has come from Louis Erickson. He has two goals in his last four games played in a top six role, but guess what? The two goals came on his only two shots in that span, so I'm looking elsewhere, folks, for a regular contributor in season long and even DFS play. I can't trust this guy yet. The one guy that I would trust in more often uh, is Alex Hedler. He came off the injury list recently with a flurry of points in five games, but that's now been switched up. He's been blanked in his last five starts. A bit of a surprise for me, but they won't lose faith in him, and he'll retain his power play leverage minutes, uh, despite the presence of uh, Quinn Hughes, who's getting some action in that regard as well, and been a steady performer from the back end in his rookie season too. Jake Furtanen is a guy who was started the season in the doghouse, but all of a sudden he's on pace for his first 20-goal season as a pro, and he's seen his minutes rise by three minutes in the last few games, so they're showing a lot more faith in him and maybe getting him some top six minutes going forward, and that's long overdue for a guy who was a top prospect here for a long while. The Vegas Golden Knights had their toughest week of the season going 0-3. This team's struggles are tied to the defense, the goalie ledger that is all about Marc-Andre Fleury allowing 15 goals against now in his last four starts. That's simply not good enough. Paul Stastny, though, a veteran guy who has been in the, in the doldrums, has responded to the fact that Cody Glass is likely out for a couple of weeks for the deep bruise in his leg. Stastny's got more time now in the top six role of late, and he's produced six points in his last seven games played. Another injury situation worth noting, Jonathan Marshall has missed the last five games with a lower body hurt, so they're struggling with some uh, key players missing from the top six here. The Washington Capitals went 1-2 and two last week, but they rebounded with a very solid effort in a 2 nothing win. Ilya Samsonov in the nets for the 23-save shutout on Monday night. Some guy named Alex Ovechkin receded for both goals here, 27-28 and 28 on the year to rank third in the Rocket Richard race and yet again on pace for another 50-goal 50 season. On defense, John Carlson, we've talked about this guy as the runaway guy, leader in the Norris Trophy race, and he's got three more assists on his ledger. But it's worth noting that his partner now is Michael Kempney, rejoining Carlson on that top tandem. He produced three points of his own in the last four games, and I'm watching him to see if he continues to get that kind of playing time. Braden Holtby has allowed 23 goals against in his last six starts, so it's worth circling back to a note on Ilya Samsonov. Even before last night's effort, he had allowed 11 goals against in his last six opportunities, so you wonder if there might be a bit of a goalie uh, controversy brewing in Washington, despite their outstanding season where everything's been going well. 
this is news that you ought to keep an eye on because the starting goalie there is a must-play in DFS and a real big help in season-long for sure. We round out our look of the 31 teams. As usual with the Winnipeg Jets, they went 2-2 two and two in a busy week last week. Connor Hallibuck, as you might expect, receding for those two wins. But it's uh, winger Nikolai Ehlers that draws uh, my eye. Five points last week in a top-six role. He's a guy that, again, was a former first-round pick. And when you think about this team, might not be the first name that leaps to mind behind the top two centers and Patrick Liney, uh, but really a consistent scorer once again this season. Defense is where uh, it's worth noting a couple of notes here. Neil Pionk is a guy, again, at the beginning of the season, I thought he'd be a nice fit with his offensive skills here in what was a makeshift defense at that point. He's still carrying the flag offensively from the back end with a goal and one assist in a typical week for him last week, getting power play time as well. But joined now by Sammy Niku, who had 14 points in 18 games in the AHL. He's now on the top defensive pairing with defensive-minded John Morris, Josh Morrissey, a very nice situation for him. He, in fact, replaces Tucker Pullman, who was sidelined with a lower body injury. Pullman didn't profile as an offensive-type defenseman, but Niku may get a chance to reprise the the role that he has established in the American Hockey League here. Andrew Kopp is a guy who came off the IR last week, earned a, uh, an immediate promotion to the second line left wing. Good spot for him. He picked up two points in four games so far, and that's included some ice time on the power play. We're going to miss AJ's contributions to the FanDuel segment, folks, but we'll trudge on with the Rotowire Optimizer and see what they've got in store for us. They start with Connor McDavid, David spending $9,300 there on him, pairing him with Nazem Kadri at $4,700, a deep discount, but maybe that has more to do with the fact that Colorado's in Dallas against a really stingy Dallas defense. Patrick Kane has got a chance for a big night in Ottawa, and that, he's in the lineup here for $8,200. He's paired with Leon Dreisaitl, who's a threat every night, and you used to fear a matchup with the Nashville Predators, another team that was noted for a defensive structure. Not so much this season. We highlighted their goals against average. Dreisaitl has a chance to feast on them. His price tag is $8,100 there. Joe Pavelski, we, we kind of took a shot at him and his lackluster season so far. His price tag is reflected there at $5,100 and a chance in a shootout uh, in Colorado against a team that's not noted for his defensive structure maybe is the reason why he's included here. With all the high-priced guys, you know that there's some low-end costs involved going forward. Alex Tuck is a guy that fits that bill with Vegas going into Buffalo, a team that's not been able to keep the puck out of their net with regularity of late and that's one reason why Tuck is there hoping that he can ignite help ignite uh, the Knights who have struggled to get the win column of late but a good chance for them to write themselves in against the Sabres. Darnell Nurse finding life very pleasurable in Edmonton this season as the team's fortunes have turned around he's uh, got a better profile despite the $4,200 price tag I like this pick against Nashville again I think Edmonton has a chance to run up a big score here we round out the offense uh, from the back end with Matthew Dumba a guy I said he's had a bit of a subpar season offensively with Minnesota a tough matchup for them against the high-flying Pittsburgh Penguins that are flying on all cylinders and uh, $3,700 the cheap price tag there we round this out with a look at the goalie pick, and uh, you might say any team that's facing Ottawa is a guy, a place where you got to look for a goalie win, and that's what the optimizer is doing tonight with uh, Chicago Blackhawks visiting Ottawa, and the price tag for Leonard is one of the cheaper ones among all goalies, $8,100. 
Now it's time for my picks, folks. And uh, I really love the fact that I'm able to get two star centermen for less than $7,500 in my lineup. And I like the way both of them are going. Picking Braden Point, I talked about the lightning on fire right now. They get a visit from the LA Kings, one of the worst teams in the league. So a chance to run up a big score. And I'm all over Braden Point in this one. Mark Shifley, he doesn't worry about the quality of opposition. He can score against anyone. He gets the Vancouver Canucks coming into town. $7,400 his price tag. I pair point with Kucherov in my mini stack of Tampa forwards and fit him in at $8,200. You know I'm going to have some cheapies along the way. I'm going to go with another teammate in Tampa and that's Andre Palat, $4,600 to face the visiting Kings there. I round out my forward wingers with Zach Hyman of the Maple Leafs, $4,800 for his price tag. I think the Leafs are facing a situation where they got to right themselves and an opportunity comes calling with the New Jersey Devils and their suspect goaltending situation tonight. And Zach Hyman in a top six role there. Brian Rust rounds out the offensive compliment. He's been on fire for the Penguins, and yet the price tag is only $5,800. Minnesota Wild come calling. I think that's another favorable pick for the home side in that one. I spoke about Neil Pionk a few minutes ago. He's an easy pick for me at $4,100 with the Winnipeg Jets hosting the Vancouver Canucks. And I round out the defensive compliment with Mikhail Sergachev and my Tampa stack, $4,700 for a guy who factors in on their power play situation as a secondary option behind Victor Hedman. But even in a regular shift, when he gets out there with the first or second line, he's got a chance to get the score sheet. Behind all those guys, I'm looking for Freddie Anderson to write himself Looking for a lot of rebound efforts, it seems, when I'm looking at the notes that I made here this week. Uh, Anderson, $8,300 his price tag as he looks to put up a good effort with at least beginning a three, an important three-game homestand before the All-Star break. Well, I survived this uh, solo effort, folks. That wraps up this episode of Podcast with Statsman Without AJ. Our next episode is scheduled a week from today, next Tuesday, as always. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As usual, we invite you to listen to Podcast to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. (laughs) 